Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. Fredway, my wife Leanne, sitting there on the second row, and uh, we are glad to be with you. Thank you for those that attended yesterday. Our hearts were encouraged for those that uh, uh, the comments that was made and the help that was given. And if you wasn't able to be here yesterday, uh, but you have a desire to want to be a soul winner and maybe you have questions or concerns or uh, I'm just telling you uh, from a pastor's perspective that was a pastor when I uh, trained our people it was amazing what God did and um, we've got material on that table if you'll see us after the service uh, I've got we've gotten a personal edition Operation Go that uh, DVDs and everything you would need just at the house on your own time uh, to be able to further uh, your heart in soul winning, and I would recommend that strongly. We've got soul winning New Testaments, and uh, got Brother Wood wrote a book on the Jerusalem Factor, tremendous book, a discipleship book. It would be a great help to you, so see, uh, see my wife after service there. And then for those that were here yesterday, uh, thank you for those that grabbed the envelope, and I hope that you will pray about that and get that to me or my wife. Uh, this, uh, this, this is our witness project and are supporting national preachers all over the world. I had a report from our director in India this morning. He emailed this morning, Pastor, and, and uh, we, were in a new, we got in a new country last week, him and our uh, directors, 20 of our directors from states all over India, went into the country of Bataan, and uh, that's a new country for us. And we got in there, and they were able to train between our 20 uh, sub-directors, 1,900 and something soul winners uh, last week. And that was just a tremendous encouragement. Brother Thomas is our director overall of, Brother Thomas Meyer overall of, of India. And uh, he sent that report this morning and encouraged my heart and Dr. Wood's heart. And uh, out of those, we'll be planting churches. And our ministry trains and equips all around the world preachers to be able to win people to Christ and by the way, if you was here yesterday, that's the Bible method. Uh, you win someone to Christ and, and train them, and they win someone to Christ, and at the same time plant churches, and God's let our ministry do much of that. And so I'd love to tell more, but if you want to be a help, and, and that witness project, just to finish those 20 directors, were able to go to the country of Bataan all over and do what they did because of the help of God's people with uh, helping us be able to send them supplies, the resources, the money they need for travel, we do every bit of that. So I trust that you'll pray about that offering and allow God to speak to your heart. You can just give that envelope to me or my wife. A one-time fee, a one-time gift of $250 helps us be able to train a national preacher anywhere in the world, not once a month, just $250. We can get them there to one of our conferences. We can give them all the materials free of charge. We can feed them and lodge them and everything for around $250 a preacher. And if you would pray about helping in that. Those envelopes are there. If you weren't here yesterday and like to help, I've got envelopes with me. See me, and I'll give you one, and uh, we would love for you to partner with us. Then I ask you to pray for me and my family. I did step down from pastoring after 20-plus years. I thought I would do that the rest of my life, and, um, but the Lord had this in store, and 
And uh, so we started over. I started out as a missionary in Papua New Guinea several years as a young preacher. Me and my wife did. And then the Lord brought us to the States and we pastored for 20 plus years. Now the Lord's got us back in uh, this ministry, which is a lot of it is missions. We, uh, I travel all over the world. I'll be in Mexico here in uh, two weeks. And I just got back in December from Kenya where we're building a training center there to do in Africa what we've done in India and training. And so uh, I need support. Family needs support. And you pray about that. And then we've got a big conference in Papua New Guinea coming up in May. Uh, without going into a lot of detail, uh, I left Papua New Guinea, wanted to be there, didn't want to leave, but uh, got malaria many, many times, and pretty much the doctor said, you either leave or you're going to die, and uh, my home church and pastor said, you need to come home, and we did, and I've never been back we, uh, while I was there. You say, well, what can a missionary do that's not in a country for a life? Well, I think you can do a whole lot. Uh, my whole goal when I went to Papua New Guinea and the whole goal of our ministry now is nationals can do it better than we can. They understand their culture, they understand their people, and the mindset, many missionaries, unfortunately, American missionaries have this mindset, they go to those countries and their mindset is, you can't trust them, so you got to be in charge of everything and never put them in charge. Well, I disagree with that mindset. And a lot of American missionaries' mindsets is, in other countries, the nationals, you can't trust their morals or, or them with money. Well, I think we got the same kind of problem in America with a lot of preachers with morals and money. So I don't think we should be judging other countries when we're in the same boat as they are. And the bottom line is, is there's bad apples in every bunch and there's good people. Uh, but I trained, we, our first church was a, village, uh, was a jungle church and uh, don't have time to get in that. We had people literally walked hours just to get to church. And I trained a man, I put him in that church, Brother Jimson Keery. 20-something years later, he is still the pastor of that church. That church has grown. They've trained missionaries, sent them all over other parts of Papua New Guinea. When we left there, we went to a way more dangerous area, but more of a town area in Papua New Guinea on the main island. And uh, there we uh, worked in uh, Shalom Baptist Church, and I trained Brother Tao Abari as pastor of uh, Shalom Baptist Church, and that's when I got sick and had to be rushed to Australia for several months, just a lot, lot I won't go into. And uh, when I knew I had to leave, we installed him as pastor. And 20-something years later, that church is still there. He is still the pastor of that church. And that's where in May we'll be holding the conference, hopefully training four to 500 national leaders from all over Papua New Guinea and Christians in soul winning and church planning. And I've got to raise $15,000 to cover the expenses. That's not for me. That's just to cover the expenses of... Bibles and materials and renting the tent and getting preachers from all over Papua New Guinea. Many of them are in the jungles uh, paying for them to get a ferry uh, or whatever they need to get to the meeting and then feeding them that week and housing them that week. So if you'd pray about that, I've asked I've just the way the Lord laid it on my heart is if 15 churches gave a thousand, uh, we'd have that money and I've got to have at least 8,000 by the second week of February to go ahead and rent the tent and some other materials that we've got to get shipped in advance and other things. So the, I've got a lot of needs, and if you would just pray that the Lord meet them. But above all, God's been good to us, and I do thank Him for that. By the way, I mentioned i got nine kids. If you want to know about needs, nine children, they're expensive. And uh, uh, we had a great church that took excellent care of us, uh, more than excellent care of us. God was good to us with our church, and I had people and I had leaders that learned if you're good to the pastor, God will be good to the church.
He didn't ask me to say this, probably get embarrassed for saying, but I'm going to say it, I say it everywhere I go. Church, be good to your pastor. You deacons, you've got a job. Your job's to look out for him. He ought to not have a bill that's not paid. He ought to have a car that runs well. He ought to not have to sweat out where his finances are coming. That's your number one job as a servant to the pastors to make sure him and his family is took care of. He's your number one mission project. Well, I didn't get a whole lot of amens. I got a few. He is your number one mission project. You ought to know. Uh, you ought to know. You ought to be checking with him. God will bless the church. I've watched our church. When I first went there, I had a deacon board that had never been trained that way. And, and uh, pretty much just, just thought that the preacher ought to live off fried rabbit tracks and fresh air. And uh, we did. And here's the type of pastor I was. I wasn't going to them and telling them I had a need. It was their job to pray and be spiritual enough and figure it out. Well, they didn't. And, uh, but I just kept praying and God kept working in their hearts. And I'm telling you, God changed that deacon board and was a great blessing to me and my family. They took excellent care of us. Um, and and we, had, we, we didn't live high, but we lived where I did. The last thing you want is a pastor wondering, how am I making it every month? Hard for him to do his job and look out for you and have the faith for the church and everything he needs if he's concerned about how am I going to pay my bills or what about this. Or what? And he, as far as I know, I don't know that he has any, but I'm just telling you, I say it everywhere I go. I'm not a pastor. I'm not getting paid to say this, but I'm telling you, church, if you'll take care of that man and his family, God will bless this church for that. Get stingy with him. Don't look out for him. God will get stingy with the church. The other thing I'll tell you is be good to missions and preachers, and God will be good to the church. I, I, I could see it all over the country. I get to preach all over the country, and churches that just say, you know what? It's not ours. We're going to give it to God, and we're going to use it for the world, and... Uh, uh, I've watched God bless those churches. Our church, uh, when I went there, we, had, we supported missions about $11,000 a year. When I left, we were given over $240,000 a year just to missions. Bunch of mountain people. I didn't have any rich people in my church. Just a bunch of mountain people that learned how to give and... Uh, uh, God was good to us. So I just tell you, learn to, learn to be a church that looks after the man of God and, and is involved in missions and soul winning. Get a burden for souls. I promise you, you'll be blessed about what God's going to do. Now, I took my time in introduction because I'm not, uh, from what your pastors told me, I'm not as long a preacher as he is. And uh, I know you've got kids programs and everything else, so I don't want to uh, get done too early. And uh, number one, uh, and a pastor, thank God you got a pastor that has something to say. And brother, thank you for the Sunday school. I get to sit, I get to, I, sometimes I have to sit in Sunday school. And I normally go to, I know a lot of evangelists, the pastor says you don't have to come to Sunday school. And, but I usually do. And unfortunately, the majority of Sunday school teachers don't have a clue. They really don't. Uh, they, they don't know how to interact with the class. They don't involve the class. They don't. They've not studied. If they have, it sure don't seem like they have. And, uh, brother, that was a tremendous lesson, uh, just very well thought out. I thought just, uh, just thank God for a Sunday school teacher that cares what he's doing and puts thought and emphasis in a class. That's so important. And uh, I enjoyed being in there this morning. And I was holding back. Uh, he mentioned I was, I wasn't, I was humble, but uh, I just was trying to stay out of it and let your class be your class. But I had so many things I wanted to say. And uh, Melchizedek got brought up, and I have about 
uh, five messages on him, and I wanted to jump in, and I just had to hold back, and then he's talking about prophecies of the birth of Christ, and I wanted to jump in again, and I had to hold back, and <laughs> but um, I enjoyed the class. First Chronicles chapter 4, if you're there, thank you so much for allowing me to be here, Pastor, and for just your heart. Uh, I don't know if you know it, but you have, uh, I, I'm just, I'm impressed with your pastor, and you can ask my wife, I don't get impressed easy. Uh, I'm impressed with the desire, the vision, the heart, the attention to detail, the love. Uh, I, I was looking at his vision card for the year. Uh, we did the same thing um, as far as have a vision and a theme. And church, get behind your pastor and what he's wanting to do. You will not be sorry. God, I believe, has great things in store for the church. And you may look at some of those things and say, well, <clears throat> preacher, I don't know how we're going to do that. That's why it's called faith. Do we understand the Bible says in Hebrews, without faith? Someone finish it for me. It's what? Well, preacher, we got the right Bible and we're Baptist and we're without faith. It is impossible to please God. If all this church ever does is what you can see on the books or what's within the budget or what you're able to do, then you've done nothing supernatural or God. Till you get out of your realm and into his realm, you're not really doing anything eternal. I remember when our church took some steps of faith in those areas, and it was all by faith. But I'm just telling you, uh, many times we look at what, 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 good, what, what good are we doing for God if all we ever do is what we can do. we got to get out of what we can do and get in the supernatural element of what God can do. I'm here today, and I can tell you, I stepped out of a pastorate, the church, as I said, took excellent care of me. I have nine children. I take care of my elderly parents. They cut my dad's retirement in half, and he couldn't survive. I moved them to Virginia, uh, pay for their house, their insurance, their taxes, because they couldn't. And I've got, as I said, nine children. Our oldest son now is married. He's 24, down to six years old. And when God told me to leave the pastorate and to go into this ministry, I went from here to literally stepping out by faith in nothing, no promise. It was COVID. It was July of 2020. Churches were shut down. There was no meetings to be had. There was no love offerings to be given. There was no support coming in. And I have watched God for the last year and a half take care of our family and meet our needs and provide for us. And all I can say is it's God because it wasn't me. And it's amazing to watch what God will do when you'll let him. And I, I want to talk about that and preach on that a little bit. And if I cough, I promise I'm not sick. I had COVID several weeks back. I've never got it till a few weeks ago. Was teaching in uh, soul winning in South Carolina. My wife thinks I got it before then. I think I got it down there. We'll just agree to disagree. I just said, I'm still, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And I think someone in South Carolina gave it to me that come to that soul winning training. But I'm not mad about that. That's fine. I've been vaccinated, and the doctor said more than likely it's the Omicron variant. He said, so now you're really in good shape. You should, you should be impervious to everything. I said, well, praise the Lord. I won't worry about it then. But every now and then I have to cough, but I promise you I'm good, and I'm not contagious, all right? First uh, Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Uh, you're probably not too familiar with these chapters because if you're like many, uh, when we get to First Chronicles, if you read through your Bible, a lot of times it's easy just to skip chapter 1 through 9 or just to kind of hurriedly look through them because we can't pronounce the names and, 
and, and it's, you know, this one beget this one, and this one beget that one, and it's nine chapters of that. Have you ever just been reading through this and say, Lord, why did you do this to me? You want me to read the Bible, but uh, of what, why? What, what is their help? Well, I did that several years ago. I had, uh, and well, I'll say more about that in a minute. Let's, let's look at the verses, verses 9 and 10, and then I'm going to pray, and we're going to get in the message. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. That's an amazing statement to me. God granted him that which he requested. How would you like to be able to say, God granted me what I've been requesting? I want to look at Jabez for a moment. Let's pray. Father, I love you. And Lord, thank you so much for the graciousness of your people, the kind response and warm reception that we've got here at Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for the pastor and his family. What a joy to get to eat supper with them last night and talk with his children and get his heart and his wife's heart and desire and their faithfulness to this church and your work. Bless them, God. Meet their needs. Meet this church's needs and then go well beyond that and do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Help them in soul winning. God, help them to get challenged. And Lord, they got educated yesterday and I pray that they don't uh, just let it slip off, but they'll use it this week and that this church will see fruit and blessings, God, of a burden to win someone to Jesus Christ. Give me liberty as I preach. Anoint me and use me. God, I'm your man, but I'm a man and I need your help and I beg you to anoint me and help me. This church doesn't know me and I don't know it, so fill in the gaps, God. And help me to say exactly what needs to be said in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let me give you just a few things this morning by outline. And the pastor, I meant to text and, and then I got busy praying and forgotten. So I, I apologize, there's no PowerPoint. But my outline's usually pretty clear if you take notes. And I want you to notice just a few things this morning. And, and uh, notice the position that I see here in Jabez. And I really believe this is the key to the whole message. I... Uh, years ago, uh, there was a fella that wrote a book about this about 20 years ago, and uh, it become a big buzz, and everyone started talking about if you just pray this prayer, then automatically all your problems will be solved, your sicknesses will get healed, you'll, you'll become in financial, pros- you, you'll get, have prosperity beyond your wildest dreams, and, uh, and so I was interested in uh, that, that, that man's book, and I got the book, and I looked at it, and it's a hundred and... And uh, I forget exactly how many pages uh, that's in that book, but what amazed me is in, in that hundred-something pages of that book, not one time did he ever deal with what I believe is the key to this prayer. And I just want to mention that, and then I'm going to move on. But I know, want you to notice in verse number 9, the Bible said Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. Now, that word honorable means blameless. It means respectable, honest, high in integrity, or highly esteemed, or worthy of being honored. That's all 
the definitions that, that, that is accompanied with this world, with this word honorable. Not one time in that book of 20 plus years back now did, did the, the author ever mention this word. May I say to you and I, it's an interesting thing when you look at Chronicles chapter 1 to chapter, <coughs> excuse me, from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 9 verse 44, what you have is the genealogy of the human race. It starts with Adam and it goes through King Saul and, uh, and, and 567 names from chapter 1 to chapter number 9 and right in the middle of all them is Jabez. You say, preacher, why is that important? Well, what's important is in this chronology, Noah is mentioned. David is mentioned. Moses is mentioned. Uh, uh, Joseph is mentioned. Isaac is mentioned. Abraham is mentioned. Enoch is mentioned. These, these are some great men. But Jabez, this is the only time you will find him in your Bible. And yet, in 2,948 years of genealogy, God said about Jabez, he was more honorable than all the other fellows he just named. That's an amazing statement. See, the whole key to this prayer, and I want to deal with that because God wants to do some great things in our life, but please don't miss that the position of Jabez was that he was a pure man. He was a man that God's testimony of him is, I like what uh, he, he thought highly of Noah. He said Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He thought highly of David. David was a man after his own heart. We could, he, he thought highly of Enoch. Enoch walked with God and was not. Uh, the Lord just enjoyed fellowshipping with so much, he just took him one day. Yet with all those men, here is the testimony that God had to say about Jabez. The only time he's mentioned right here is Jabez was more honorable than all his brethren. I wonder if that could be said about you and I. You know, we might fool some people or act spiritual or put on a cloak of religion, but God knows the heart. He knows who we really are and what we really are. And, and I just think it's a tremendous testimony. Jabez is, is the 44th name in chapter number 4. And if you go all the way back to chapter 1, you know, and, and, and just start at the very beginning of this, and I'm not going to read all these, but it just starts naming name after name, and sometimes it'll say the son of or the sons of, and, and then it'll talk about this one and that one. And when you come to chapter number 4, uh, he's, as I said, he's the 44th name in chapter 4, but in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, he says nothing about any of the guys. It's just name after name after name. There's no comments. There's no commentary. There's no little stories involved. But when you come to chapter 4 and verse number 9, all of a sudden God stops and God says, there's something I need to say about this man Jabez. I've not said anything about the three chapters plus in, but when he gets to Jabez, the Holy Ghost stops and says, there's something I want you to know about him. And the first thing he tells us about this man is he was more honorable than his brethren. He was a pure man. I'm just asking you and I, you know, uh, we, we want, many times we want the blessings of God, 
but we don't want to be in a position for God to bless us. I want to be blessed by God. I want everything God wants to give me, but I understand that I've got to be the kind of Christian and the kind of person that is honorable. Could God call you honorable is what I'm asking. It's easy to sit in church and look good, ain't it? I mean, it's easy for me to stand on a platform in a suit and, and, and you think I'm something and I could not be those things. And it's easy to fool people. I understand that. And it's easy, and I'm not talking about making mistakes or getting right with God. I'm just saying that, that we ought to be the kind of person that's sitting here this morning that says, by the grace of God, well, I want to be like Jabez. See, I know many people that want the answer to prayer like Jabez got, but they don't want the life, and they don't want the purity, and they don't want the testimony Jabez had. Unfortunately, we got a lot of carnal people sitting in our churches today. We got a lot of carnal preachers in the pulpit for that matter. But God said, here's the first thing. Four chapters in, he's not said a word. You can go back and look at it. Name after name after name, he doesn't say nothing about Adam. He don't say he was the first one or man, he, he don't, he, nothing. But when he comes to Jabez, God says, I got a remark. This man of all the men, of all these brethren that I've been talking about, this man's more honorable than all of them. What a statement. May I say, he was a praying man, he was a pure man, he was a praying man. He was a productive man. I'm just talking about his position. But I want you to notice not only his position, but secondly, look in verse number 9, and I want you to notice his problem. Now this helps me, and I hope it will help you. The Bible said in verse 9, he was more honorable than his brethren. And then here's the statement we have, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. His mother calls his name Jabez, and his mother, the Holy Ghost, lets us know there's a reason that she named him Jabez, and here's the reason I named him Jabez. Everything about his birth is sorrowful and painful to me. What a statement. You understand in the Old Testament and the Bible, when names were given, names had purpose and meaning, and everybody knew those names. It's not like now where we got to look at a baby name dictionary to see what someone's name means. When he said Jabez, everybody knew what that name meant. His name means sorrow, pain. It means underprivileged. So every time Jabez is introduced and every time as a young boy and every time as he got to be a man and they would say, who is that? They would say, Jabez. Immediately they knew this man by his mother was looked at as sorrow and pain and embarrassment. See, I see a problem. She named him Jabez because everything around his birth was sorrow to her. The other interesting thing, and I won't take all the time, but we can go back to chapter 1 or chapter 2, verse 1, these are the sons of. Chapter 1, verse 5, the sons of. We could go to chapter 3, these were the sons of. Chapter 4, the sons of. You could go all through the verses, the sons of. 
These were the Father. It says either the Father or the Son. Even in chapter 4, verse 4, Penuel the Father. Verse 5, Asher the Father. Verse 6, Nahor bear him. Verse 7, sons of. Verse 8, and then you come to verse 9, and there's no father mentioned. There's no that he's the son of anybody mentioned. The Bible doesn't mention his father's name. It doesn't mention his mother's name. Most Bible scholars think that the reason that he was born in sorrow is because he was born illegitimate. He was, his mother didn't know who his name was. And, and uh, most commentators are agreed that, that Jabez was an illegitimate child. Therefore, his genealogy is not even listed in the Word of God. And over a hundred times in chapter 1 to chapter number 9, he says this phrase, the son of or the sons of. But then when you come to chapter 4 and verse 9, it stops. It tells us about a man. We don't know his mama's name. We don't know his daddy's name. We don't know anything about his genealogical history. We don't know about the heroes in his family or the zeros in his family. What we do know is that he was more honorable than all his brethren. Now that stands out to me. You know what we're guilty of if we're not careful? We will use the sorrows and the problems of our life as an excuse to not serve God, as an excuse to not be what God wants us to be. But here's a man, by all likelihood, born illegitimate and in that that day, though it was not his fault, he would have been a castaway. He would have been a reject in society. He would have been made fun of by the other boys. His mother would have been called all kinds of dirty names. And yet here's a boy, in spite of the problem, in spite of the embarrassment, in spite of the shame, said, I may not be a whole lot, but what I can be is I can be honorable, and I can love God, and I can serve God. I just want to stop and say, aren't you glad God? God uses the Jabez's of this world. Aren't you glad God, not the Bible said, not many mighty, not many noble are chosen, but God uses the foolish things of this world. Can I just be honest with you? We sat here looking pretty good today, but in all actuality, what God has to work with is a bunch of Jabez's, a bunch of nobodies with nothing that was headed nowhere that God showed up in our life and changed us and uses us in spite of us. And many times if we're not careful, will you? I, I just want to stop and say thank God. You're not looking at a preacher that has it all together and you're not looking at the cream of the crop when you look at me, you're looking at a sinner that God saved and God changed and God used in spite of me. And you know what I'm looking at? I'm looking at a lot of the same things. And if we're not careful, we'll come to church and we'll think we're something or we'll look down on others because they're involved in this or that. When the truth be told, God uses Jabez's all over the world for his glory. It's what we are. Hey, you may be here today and you may be thinking, I could never be a preacher, or I could never be a Sunday school teacher, or I could never be a soul winner. You don't know what I've done, preacher. You don't know what my life is. You don't know the problems and the pain. I'm just here to tell you, God, I put Jabez in this list and he stops and he makes a remark to let us know that, hey, you may have problems. You may have pain in your life, but you can still be used by God. What a blessing. That encourages me. If I can put it this way, Jabez had to overcome his own name. Everyone knew what that name meant. Jabez, name one thing Jabez did. You search it, you, you won't find a miracle he performed. 
You won't find a message that he preached. He wasn't in the limelight. He, wasn't, he didn't build an ark. He wasn't a king of Israel. He, he, he wasn't, I mean, on and on I could go. He wasn't in the forefront of life. And the, all those men in the genealogy that did great things for God, but God says nothing but when he comes to Jabez, God says, here's what I want to say. Everyone looked at this man and said he's a problem. He's a minister to society. His birth, his own mama says his birth pains me and is sorrowful to me. But God said he was more honorable. That ought to encourage everybody in here today. It doesn't matter what society thinks of you. You can overcome your name. It don't matter what problems you're facing. It don't matter what struggles you may have had or having. God says, I'm just looking for somebody that will be honorable and let me use them. Boy, what a blessing. He was just a man that said, in spite of the sorrow, in spite, you know how many people would have used his circumstances to just say, I quit, or I can't do that, I can't do that. Uh, you know how many sinners that I see saved, and as a pastor over the years, people that get saved, and, and they get on fire for God, and they come talk to me and say, preacher, man, I'd like to do something, but... You know, I, I was hooked on drugs or I had this problem in my marriage or I had, can I tell you, God knows how to take the Jabez's of this world and the problems and the sorrows and the troubles and turn them around for our good and use us in spite of us. That's what God desires to do with everybody in here today. So I see his problem. But then I want you to notice his prayer. Please don't miss that the position of Jabez is he was honorable. Don't miss that, that, that he had to overcome to serve God and to be what God wanted him to be. He had to overcome a problem in his life. But I want you to notice his prayer. In verse number 10, Jabez calls on the God of Israel. And I want to break this prayer down a minute. And he says in verse 10, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. If I can put it this way, his prayer, he's praying for personal pleasure. I want you to watch the personal pronouns in verse number, in verse number 10. Thou wouldest bless me indeed. Enlarge my coast, that thine hand might be with me, that thou wouldest keep me, that it may not grieve me. Five times he prays for himself in this verse. Do you realize it's not carnal to pray for yourself? Uh, if we're not careful, we'll almost get the idea listening to preachers and, and some of the books I've read on prayer and some of them are great books, but it's almost like you're to pray for everyone but yourself. Well, we are to pray for ourselves. But even in that model prayer, Jesus mentions there's some things we're to pray about for us. If you don't pray for you, who's going to? Book of James, Paul put it, or James put it this way, you have not because, our, because you ask not. Jesus said in Matthew, put it like this, ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. I'm just saying it's not carnal, it's not selfish. We ought to pray for others. I do pray for others. I've got a long prayer list for many other people. But he said, Lord, 
I need you to bless me indeed. We're living so far below our privileges. And I think one of the reasons why is we're just not asking God. Now please understand, the man that's asking God to bless him indeed is trying to live right for God. You can't live in sin and disobedience and carnality and pray this prayer and, bless and, ask and expect God to bless it. The first thing God tells us before he ever tells us about the prayer is he was more honorable. He had character. He was and so I just want to establish that. But at the same time, I want you to understand, this guy wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. He had problems. He had troubles in his life. But because he was trying to live for God and serve God, he said, Lord, I want you to bless me indeed. And you know what? God would love to bless you. I think sometimes the reason God doesn't bless folks is because they're not honorable and he knows they can't handle the extra blessings. Some churches, some preachers can't handle it. I learned a long time ago as a pastor, God would give through our church and through me what he wouldn't give to us. So we started promising in advance and every year at the beginning of the year we were going to give this much to missions and God if you would send it in, we're going to make sure that we send it out. God started giving way more through us than he would give to us. I've watched him do that in my own personal life. And I'm just saying, Jabez goes to God, what is it that you're looking for God? God says, Lord, I need you to bless me indeed. That word indeed is the same in the Hebrew as having five exclamation points after it. That word bless is, a miraculous, is asking God to do something in a miraculous, supernatural way. What is it you want God to bless you extra in? God bless me indeed. Do you realize, by the way, God is looking for someone to bless? 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, here's what the Bible said, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. God said, I'm looking across the whole, and I'm just looking for somebody to show how strong I can be. Would you not like to see what the power of God could do in your life? Would you not like to see what the blessings of God in abundance would look like in your life? I want that. I want that in this church. I want that in the churches that I help. I want that in my family. I want that in my kids' life. I want that in our church that I'm a member of. I want to see God bless me indeed. I hope you want to see God bless you indeed. And God says, I'm looking for that. Bless me indeed. That's personal pleasure. But then I want you to notice, not only in this prayer do I see personal pleasure, but he prays for personal prosperity. Look at the next phrase in verse number 10. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Boy, that was a theme in my church one year. That was our, that was our, uh, our uh, theme for the year at the church. Several years back when I pastored, enlarge my coast. Enlarge my coast. He said, God, I want to be blessed greatly, but I want you to enlarge my coast. Psalm 37 verse 4, David said it like this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I wonder what would be wrong this morning with praying, God, enlarge my business. Enlarge, enlarge my, my wife prayed for Lord, Lord enlarge our family. Y'all know he answered that prayer. Because I wanted two. She's the one that wanted the big family. 
enlarge my ministry. As a pastor, God, enlarge Grace Baptist Church. Enlarge my soul winning opportunities. God, help me to multiply myself. Enlarge, enlarge my finances so I can do more for you and, 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 and do more for my family. Hey, listen, what would be long? Enlarge my witnessing opportunities. Enlarge uh, my, my paycheck so I can do more for, for God. And, and then mean what you say, but uh, Jabez looked at God and said, Lord, would you bless me indeed? And would you enlarge my coast? Now, you understand what he was saying. What Jabez was asking for, that word coast there means boundaries. Lord, I don't have a whole lot of land with what's been given to me by the tribe. God, would you give me more? Would you let me expand? Would you let me go further? Every Christian in here ought to be praying, Lord, enlarge my coast. We're at the beginning of the year. January. What areas of your life do you want to see God enlarge this year? Enlarge my prayer life. Every year I ask God to help me give more to Him financially this year than I did last year. Not so I can brag, you'll never know what I give, but just so I can do more for God. Because if all I ever do is what I can do, then all I'm doing is in my own strength and not His, and I want to see the power of God. Can I put it this way? What, miracul what, what is miraculous in your life? What's going on miraculously? Well, preacher, that word miracle, you know, you're getting into, you know, you're getting into charismatic. No, 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 I'm writing my King James Bible. God is a supernatural working God that wants to do supernatural things for his people. And I'm telling you, we live in the element of what we can see and what we can do, and we never step out of that element and watch what God can do. Do you realize the Red Sea would have never opened until they stepped in it? Moses had the philosophy of most of us. They get to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army's behind them, mountains are on each side. If you know the geography, they're trapped, there's nowhere to go, Red Sea's in front. And Moses is upset with them, but, but he knows God, <coughs> me, God's going to come through. And he says, stand still and see what God can do. Boy, that sounds great, don't it? Only problem is God comes right behind him in the next verse, and I'm paraphrasing. Basically says, no, Moses, nuh-uh. There ain't no standing still. You want to see what I can do. You get those priests. You go step in the water, and when you step in the water, then I'll part it. See, we want to stand still. We don't want to get our feet wet. We don't want to step out by faith. We don't want to get in the area of the unknown. We want God to do it, and then we'll step. God said, no, 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 no. No, Moses, you step, then I'll work. Can I find in our Christian life, again, Hebrews 11, I preach a lot on faith, and God's making me live faith more than I care to even tell you. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Now, some of the super pious and super spiritual on this prayer will say, now, preacher, I just think you ought to serve God because you love him and because of Calvary, and, and that ought to be good enough. Well, here's what God said about that in Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God said, I expect you to come to me and know that I'll reward you for everything you're doing. 
What is it that you want to see God enlarge this year? What is it that you need to step out by faith and pray and trust God for? Say, well, preacher, I'm glad that happened for Jabez. And and by the way, he's asking for a miracle. You're, You're asking for a miracle when you pray for God to enlarge your coast. You say, preacher, what's a miracle? A miracle is an intervention of God to make something happen that would otherwise not happen. We need miracles in our life because we need God in our life. And a miracle is no more than an intervention of God to make something happen that will not otherwise happen unless God gets in. And Jabez is saying, God, enlarge my coast. And God's saying to you and I, I want to enlarge your coast. You say, well, preacher, I'm not a preacher, and neither was Jabez. But God gave him his desire. Personal pleasure, personal prosperity. Notice, he prayed for personal power. Don't miss this. That thine hand might be with me. Boy, so important. Jabez recognized he couldn't handle the blessings and the enlarged coast if he didn't have the anointing of the Spirit of God on his life. He realized he needed the touch of God. May I say, you and I will not be able to handle the blessings, and the enlarged coast in our life if we don't have the touch of God. At the end of the day, we need God's presence in our life. And if we want the prayer of Jabez's blessings, we got to have the prayer's blesser, and that's God himself. Can God trust you to bless you? May I say the touch of God will make giants out of weaklings, and the touch of God will make successes out of failures. God-sized blessings require God-sized wisdom. Luke 12, 48 said, For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. Expanded blessings comes with expanded requirements, but at the end of the day, he's saying, God, I want the blessings, I want my coast enlarged, but oh God, please don't take your hand off of me. You know what Grace Baptist Church needs more than anything? It needs the hand of God on it. You know what you need as a member? You need the hand of God on you. But with that hand of God allows us to be able to handle the other things God wants to do in our life. And then I want you to notice, lastly in this prayer, we see the personal protection. He said, keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. In other words, he's saying, after you've blessed me, expanded me, touched me, Lord, now I need you to keep me from evil so I don't mess all this up with my sin notice he said so it won't grieve him in other words I don't want this joy that I have and this blessings and this expanded coast and all this that you're doing God I don't want it to turn to a sorrow to me I think honestly in my heart if I can put it this way, and I can't prove this. This is just an opinion. I want to say that up front. I think when he says that it won't grieve me, I kind of feel like in his heart he's looking back to his birth. The Bible said children are the inheritance of the Lord. They're a blessing. And I think Jabez is looking back when he makes this statement back to his mom, and he's saying, she should have, look what God's done for me. Look how he's blessed me. Look what... She should have seen me as a blessing, and instead I become a grievance. 
because she wasn't right or didn't get right or whatever may have been going on with this mom, we don't really know. She took the blessing of God and she took what should have been a positive in her life regardless of how he got there and said, thank you, God. And instead, she named him sorrow and pain. And she said, I bore him in sorrow. And I think Jabez is thinking back on that and he's saying, God, help me not be like my mama. Help me never take what you're doing for me, whether it's good or bad, and it become a grief, it become a sorrow, it become a burden. Help me to always be in the kind of place and state that I look at what you're doing. By the way, sometimes for God to do this, enlarge our coast, put his hand on us, bless us indeed. You realize sometimes God's blessings don't look like blessings. And sometimes God's working in our life is painful. And I think Jabez recognized that and he's saying, God, no matter what you got to do to answer this prayer, just help me never be grieved with it. Help me to understand you're doing it to bless me and enlarge my coast and to have your power. You and I are going to have to guard when we want God to work in our life. And I could give you so many illustrations. I'll give you this and I'm done. I was a missionary in Papua New Guinea. I had not been there long. I was still, I knew the language, but not well. And we heard about a lost tribe on another part, on another island. And some of my national preachers wanted to go. We had led a chief on another tribe to the Lord. And that chief threw an excursion into another part of Papua New Guinea that was very dangerous. Come across this lost tribe. And he sent word to our preacher boys. And so me and them loaded up on a puddle jumper and landed on a grass field right by the ocean and into the, uh, a three-day trek in the jungle we went. It'd get nighttime. They just climb up on a tree branch and lay across and go to sleep. And uh, they said, missionaries, the best way to sleep is I'll, I'll break my neck and fall off that thing. I ain't sleeping on no tree branch. <clears throat> and the jungle is like the mountains in tropics. I mean, it was no, we were cutting trails with bush knife and well, halfway to that tribe, we come across another tribe. Now, before I'd left, I'd prayed, and I said, God, if you don't want me to go, please tell me. And God very clearly told me to go and that he was going to bless the trip and he was going to use it. And I said, okay, God. So about halfway in, there's another tribe that we didn't even know was there. Now, when I mean lost tribe, it's hard for our, our, our minds to fathom. No civilization at all, no technology, no clothes, no, nothing fabricated. They didn't even know the name of their own country. They don't know, they don't know anything. The completely lost tribe. You say, how in this day and time is that still possible? It is. So they'd never seen a white man, ever. And Papua Guineans are shorter people, so I walk in, the kids go running and scared, walk through that village and 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 the kids are running, hiding behind banana leaves and scared, and the people all hide and Finally, the kids get brave enough to come out, and they're rubbing my, rubbing my skin, calling me the moon, and seeing if the white's going to rub off, you know, and, and, uh, and I'd rub their skin, and long and short, the chief said, please stay. He said, I know of that other tribe, but he said, we, we want to hear about this God. So I set up my little pup tent, and they fed us. Now, you got to understand what they eat and what we eat, two different things. There is no canned food. There is no, it's, it's grub worms, it's spiders. They cook on rocks and eat roots and, and tree bark, different tree barks. And 
So they fixed a meal, and I would never offend them. So I knew I was going to have to eat enough to at least make them happy. And I prayed, and I said, God, literally, anytime I was in that city, I said, God, please don't let nothing I'm eating kill me. Amen. And Lord, please don't let me taste it if it tastes bad. And then I would eat. Well, anytime, and they served a stew that day, <clears throat> and, and I felt crunch. Well, I knew the minute I felt crunch, that was spiders that had been roasted on the rocks. And I said, this is great. I'm going somewhere. Well, we witnessed to that chief. I would, I would talk in English. It would be turned to Melanesian pigeon, be turned to a tribal language, to another tribal language, finally to a language that hopefully they could understand. So it took a long time to have a conversation. And he said, we've sent out messengers to other tribes. There's, there's three or four other villages that we want them all to come and we want you to preach to us tonight. And, 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 and they wasn't in a hurry and we wasn't, so we said, fine. So I ate and I said, well, I'm going to rest because that was hard. I mean, it's hot, 120, 130 degree weather. And I said, I'm going to lay down. I went to lay down and about 30 minutes after laying down, Pastor, I got so sick, I couldn't even hold my head up. I mean, literally, it scared me. I thought I was fixing to die. I thought, oh, Lord, I've been poisoned. I've ate one of the poisonous spiders, and I'm going to die right here in the jungle, and they're going to eat me. Scared to death. I grabbed my preachers, and I said, look, guys, and I told them what was going on. They said, oh, no, you've been poisoned. They thought the same thing. You've been poisoned. You've been... I said, well, this is great. And I prayed, and I said, God, please take it away. I had them pray over me, and I said, and I rested, and the longer the afternoon went, the worse I got. Finally, I told my preacher boy, I said, we got to get out of here, because I said, I ain't dying here. I said, I said y'all can't carry me a day and a half out. We got to get back somewhere. But in my heart, I was angry. I said, God, I prayed for you. You told me to come here. You told me you was going to bless this, and then you let me get sick. You could have kept me from getting sick. You say, preacher, do you? He knows my heart anyway. I'm just telling him in my heart. I was upset. I was angry. And with a heavy heart, that afternoon, we walked out. We went out a different way. And we started making our way back. Here we had other villages coming, hundreds that was going to be coming. And we started walking out about an hour before dark. And about around dark, every symptom I had, I mean, I could barely walk. They were having to almost physically carry me. Every symptom I had disappeared. It was so startling and sudden, it shocked me, and I just stopped. I said, what's wrong? I said, it's gone. They said, what's gone? And I told them, the headache, the body aching, the trembling, the weakness, it's all gone. And they said, praise the Lord, we'll go back. I said, no, no, I didn't have faith like they did. I said, no, just in case this comes back, we need to go on back to the village and go back to where we come from first. If I'm good, maybe we can try it again. So we walk on out. But with a heavy heart and anger in my soul, I walked all night to that morning. About 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, the chief from the, the village that we had based out of to, to begin with comes in a panic, running, squalling, grabs my feet, falls down at my feet, grabs my ankles and the preacher's ankles and is just squalling. When finally we got it all figured out, here's what happened. When we got to that village, the witch doctor, which is the, the most powerful person, even more than the chiefs in those villages, he didn't like the fact that we were there talking about God. 
He secretly sent out to the other villages, to the other witch doctors, and said, grab your best warriors and surround our village. And the minute it gets dark, come in and kill the white man. That was the number one, kill the others after, but make sure you kill the white man. And they had assembled 50 warriors without me knowing in the afternoon and had surrounded that village and hid except for the area where the women went to wash the pots and stuff and it wasn't pots it was just like coconut shells and other things but where they went to wash there at the river they stayed away from there so they wouldn't be seen and that just so happened to be the way we went out at nightfall after 30 minutes after dark those warriors descended down on that village not knowing that I wasn't there and God had sent me safely away my preacher boy started praising God and thanking God. You know what I had to do? Brother Caleb, I had to get on my knees and beg God to forgive me for being angry and for being bitter and being upset when all he was trying to do was bless me and save my full neck from dying. And I say that to say this, when he said that it may not grieve me, God wants to bless us indeed and enlarge our coast and put his hand upon us and keep us from evil. But do you understand sometimes when God does those things, it's not going to look like a blessing. And we're going to have to, by faith, trust that God will hear and grant our prayers. God granted that prayer, Jabez. God wants to grant your prayers. 